Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Litmer, and I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. In the past, I've heard a phrase used on several different occasions, always when sin has been committed, that I individually, or faithful members of the Lord's Church collectively, were limiting the power of God, that we were viewing God from our own narrow standards, that God has the power to do anything he wants to do, including saving us any way he wants to save us, even saving us as we continue to practice sin. For faithful members of the body of Christ, it is not a question and never has been a question of God's unlimited power, but rather where and how that power is utilized. I don't know much about combustion engines other than the fact that I personally think their days are numbered, but I do know that burning gasoline will not propel an automobile unless it is restricted to the firing chambers that drive the pistons. We don't limit the power of God, but simply recognize the biblical truth that he does limit his power. God's power is used in accordance with his purpose and his plan. You see, God restricts his power to his purpose and his plan. In Isaiah chapter 59, verses 1 and 2, the Bible says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not so short that it cannot save, neither is his ear so dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he does not hear. Now I want us to notice, man did not place any restrictions on God. Instead, man departs from God's appointed place and conditions of blessing. When man repents and turns back to God in compliance with God's will, then he will find that God will still be, as Hebrews 11 and verse 6 tells us, a rewarder of those who seek him. It is not a question of God's power to save man without man obeying a single command. He can do that, but the question is, will God do it? Will he save a man that way? What is his purpose? What is his plan? In Hebrews chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, this was written about our Lord Jesus. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. And having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation. Christ saves only those who obey him. Where is the scripture that tells us otherwise? Or for that matter, where is the scripture that tells us who saves those that refuse to obey the Lord? Let's view some examples. Consider that God's purpose and plan were revealed to Noah. When God warned Noah that a flood was coming, he had the power to save Noah any way he chose. But God purposed to save Noah in the ark and revealed this plan to Noah. Although God could have provided the ark, he didn't do that. He told Noah to build it and gave detailed instructions about how to do it. We find the account of all of that in Genesis 6. 
Now Noah could have reasoned within himself. I won't limit the power of God. I believe that he can save me any way he wants. I believe that he will save me just because I believe. But what would have been the result of that? You and I wouldn't be here. Genesis 6 closes with the words, Thus did Noah. According to all that God had commanded him, so he did. Now, did Noah limit God or show a lack of faith by his obedience? Well, again, let's let the Bible answer that question. In Hebrews 11 and verse 7, we read, By faith, Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Knowing how man thinks, I can well imagine some of Noah's contemporaries saying something like, Noah, I wouldn't build an ark. God can save you without an ark just as well as he can save you with one. You are limiting the power of God. The reason I say that is because technology changes, but people don't. And today we find all sort of people who refuse the revealed purpose and plan of God concerning salvation through Christ alone with the same reasoning. Certainly God had the power to save people without the ark, but he did not purpose to do so. We see God's purpose and plan in the brazen serpent. In one of the many times when Israel rebelled against God in the wilderness, we find that he sent fiery serpents among them as punishment. Looking over at Numbers 21, we can read about this. In verses 4 through 6 we find, Then they set out from Mount Horeb by the way of the Red Sea, to go unto the land of Edom. And the people became impatient because of the journey. And the people spoke against God and Moses, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we loathe this miserable food. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, so that many people of Israel died. So what happened? Look at verses 7 through 9. So the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, because we have spoken against the Lord and you. Intercede with the Lord, that he may remove the serpents from us. And Moses interceded for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a standard, and it shall come about that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, he shall live. And Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on the standard, and it came about that if a serpent bid any man, when he looked on the bronze serpent, he lived. All of those Israelites who were bitten yet trusted God and looked upon the brazen serpent were saved. Think about this. There were over two million people involved in this exodus. Their camping arrangements had been set forth by God. With such a large number, it would have been necessary for some to travel several miles to get to the serpent. They could have said, you know what? We won't limit God's power. He can save us just as easily if we simply apply mud packs to the places where the fiery serpents bit us. And they would have been right. Only dead right. You see, God had the power to save them by mud packs, but he did not purpose to do so. If they were to be healed from the bites of the fiery serpent, they had to accept God's revealed plan in order to be saved by God's power. Most Bible students would recognize that God's purpose and plan in what happened to Naaman. In the days of Elisha, the prophet, there was a man by the name of Naaman from Syria who was a leper. 
This man was also a high-ranking officer in the Syrian army, seemingly with both wealth and power. But he was a leper. After finding out that there was supposed to be a prophet in Samaria who could cure him of his leprosy, Naaman went to Israel and asked Elisha, in a somewhat roundabout way, to heal him of his leprosy. The prophet revealed God's plan for his healing. But looking at 2 Kings 5 and verse 10, we find, And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. Well, Naaman didn't like God's plan at all. In fact, looking at verses 11 and 12, we find, But Naaman was furious and went away and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Are not Abinah and far part of the rivers of Damascus better than all of the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. Boy, that sounds like a lot of people today. However, Naaman's sermon convinced him that he should accept God's plan. And when he did, he was healed of his leprosy. Was Naaman limiting God's power by obeying his will? When God stipulated that he should wash in the Jordan seven times, he ruled out every other plan for his healing. Other rivers would not do, and he must wash seven times. Five or six would not suffice. You see, Naaman had a choice. It was to be healed or not to be healed. But he had no choice as to how he was to be healed. Naaman could not have ground up some sage, made a poultice, and offered prayers to God and expect to be healed. He had to obey God's revealed plan or suffer the consequences. And in either case, he could not limit God's power. It is not a question of what God can do. It is a question of what God will do. Even when we recognize the unlimited nature of God's power, we must still abide by God's purpose and plan. John the Baptist once told some of the Jews in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 9, And do you not suppose that you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham for our father? For I say to you that God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Certainly God had that power, but John never told them that God would do that. Can you imagine what you would think of a newly married Jewish couple gathering up rocks to start their family, saying God can make children to Abraham of these stones? Yes, God has the power, but did he purpose to do so? Let's just think about God's laws of reproduction in the spiritual realm, because man has been just that foolish about it. Jesus said in John 3 and verse 5, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. As further explanation of what that meant, Jesus would later say before his ascension to heaven, He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned, in Mark 16, 16. Yet how many people have said something along the lines of, You are limiting the power of God when you say baptism is necessary for salvation. God can save us any way he wants to. He has that power, certainly. But what purpose and plan did the Lord reveal? Many, many folks have declared, I believe God has the power to save through faith only. Obedience has nothing to do with being saved because that limits the power of God. Yet listen to what the word of God actually says. 
in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Since Jesus became the source or author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him, that's Hebrews 5, 9, how can we obtain God's power to save us from sin apart from doing what he says, apart from obedience? How can anyone claim that that is limiting God's power when we do what he says to do? Man cannot limit God's power, but God can. We cannot limit or restrict God's power, but God can limit and restrict us. The Apostle Peter said in Acts chapter 10, verses 34 and 35, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality, but in every nation the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him. God's power is not used capriciously. He is no respecter of persons. Therefore, his purpose and his plan have not been changed. God placed salvation in Christ Jesus. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 10, Paul wrote, For this reason I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus and with it eternal glory. Look over at Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7, where we find Paul writing, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. In fact, staying in Ephesians 1, we look at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Where do we find the spiritual blessings? In Christ a phrase that appears at least 30 times in the six chapters of the letter to the Ephesians. So you see, God placed the restriction and limitation on man by his purpose and his revealed plan. Because every spiritual blessing is found in Christ, we must obtain those spiritual blessings where God has located them. If we don't, we cannot receive them at all. Is that limiting God? No, it is simply recognizing his purpose and revealed plan and being humble enough to simply do what he says. There is a way in which some within the body of Christ do try to limit the power of God. We know that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. If we seek to go beyond what the Bible actually says, placing restrictions and rules and regulations that God did not place, then we are saying that what God actually did say is not sufficient. Let's make certain that we truly recognize that it is God who limits his power according to his purpose and his plans, which purpose and plans are revealed for us in the scriptures. Let's consider finally as we bring this lesson to a close, where God has placed salvation for man. When you think about it, God surely had the power to bring folks into Christ by faith only, or by the sinner's prayer, or by the mourner's bench, or just by making a decision for Christ. But that was not God's purpose and plan. He has revealed his purpose and plan, and none of those things are found there. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 and 27, For you are all the sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. Now, since God has told us that every spiritual blessing is in Christ, Ephesians 1 and verse 3, what did God say puts a person into Christ? No, we don't limit the power of God, but we recognize where his power is found, 
in his purpose and his plan as revealed in the scripture. It is vital that we recognize and accept God's purpose and plan along with his power. Believe his word, repent of your sins, confess your faith in Jesus as the Lord, and be immersed in water for the remission of your sins. Please give careful consideration to these words. Thanks for listening.